this is Maha, and you're listening to Savvy Talk. I hope you're enjoying our second season where we've been talking to movers and shakers about their brands, their companies, and their stories. Today's episode is about passion, how trying to build a career in something you're passionate about defines your journey and sometimes causes you to stumble onto the thing that makes you the most successful. Anas Bukhesh is an Emirati serial entrepreneur. He is the founder of multiple businesses in the UAE in the last few years. And much like everyone else, I followed him on social media and enjoyed what he was sharing. It wasn't until recently that I had an opportunity to work with him and found his story compelling. We also became really close friends. Ennis's journey actually begins in the cold streets of Syracuse, New York, where he spent his early childhood. He completed his high school in Dubai and moved back to the U.S., Boston this time, for university. Went on a scholarship and studied something I really don't like at all, chemical engineering. Really? I didn't know that. And then I switched to mechanical because that, the scholarship, I had to do one. And I'm like, okay, mechanical seems a bit easier, so I'll do mechanical. Although Why both of them are really hard. They're really hard. But I was good in, in school. But my dream was football always. I wanted to be a footballer, so I played in the U.S. I played semi-pro. We weren't allowed to even go pro because then you can't be on a student visa. And then uh, back here, 12 years of corporate, and I was also doing football on the side and started my own business. So... It's 12 years of corporate that I kept changing and changing and changing every time I felt that I've given it all and I felt it's not for me. So I'm a, I'm a trier. I will try and then I decide. Yeah, tasting. You need yeah. to taste different yeah, things to see what works or make what fits for you. Absolutely. So you were a footballer. Is that why you have all these football jerseys all over your office? That's also because my network in football is very strong with footballers and, and so that's why they, they sign something and, and of course I love it. I love football. But yeah, football didn't go too far. Uh, three surgeries down the line and it was just too much. But my first startup was a football. Why did, it, why did you stop or what happened there? The football, I stopped because I think uh, at the time, the UAE didn't have even a proper professional league. So it wasn't the best time to try to get into it. Nobody would get it. Arab families would be like, why are you even trying to play football? That's just for fun. There's nowhere to go. Like yeah, there's no, it was never on the cards. I was trying to push for it. But then, you know, with three surgeries and I, I got married at the time and I was running away from the oil field because that's my first job was in an oil field. So I'd run away every day to go to the football club, literally in a, like a Corolla. Like it was, I remember it was a very dark highway, very dangerous. You had all a dream. Trucks. You just wanted to play football. Yeah. So, but I still play for fun. And the first business was about making the new generation more active and lead a more active lifestyle. So not only the new generation, but also uh, people who who want to play like corporate people, but they don't get the chance to. So to provide a place that they can play football. It's actually a big problem in the Middle East, obesity. It's huge. Yeah. It's one of the highest in the world, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. We have Kuwait, Saudi, and UAE are very high. And what did you feel working with the youth and like trying to inspire them to use sports to like overcome kind of health issues? I think it's uh, children are children and even adults are adults. We're all big children. And if you provide the right facility that is a really nice facility with good quality grass or football field, people will use it. It's just are you, are, are you giving them that option? Once you do, like it was, it was fully booked. So you just have to facilitate. It's like taking a kid who's stuck to his iPad but then taking him on a vacation, let's say, in a forest. 
at one point you see the curiosity is there. They want to try and touch and see and they get interested. We're all, we're all curious creatures. So. Ennis founded the first influencer agency in the UAE with two of his brothers in 2014. The word influencer was barely a recognized word back then. To say that he was a pioneer in this field is an understatement. Every business I started was organic. So with this one, it's an interesting story because you mentioned the football thing. So my network within footballers was strong. And then my network within influencers at the beginning, this is 2013-14, was very strong. And then they would say, Anas, you're fluent in Arabic and English. You know, why don't we trust you? Why don't you help and you're us? one of us. You're from this yeah. city. Why don't you negotiate on our behalf or review the contract or or? So I did a few, but then I'm like, okay, no more charity business. It's a huge gap. So why don't we that be that mediator? And the name Bukhash Brothers is, uh, which is the office we're in. Uh, it's a funny story because we had Maxwell, who's an American singer. He's a good, very dear friend, and he was here to perform. And then we finally get to the stage and everybody's there and he's supposed to start singing. And he goes, by the way, guys, the Bukhash brothers are here because it was three of us at the time. And then that's how the name stuck. So you see the logo, it's a B and B and three. And it was before this negative stigma with the word influencer. Why do you think there's a negative stigma? Because there's a lot of shitty ones now that have no depth or no maybe integrity. There are really good ones and then there are really bad ones. I mean... Is their ethics? Are you buying your followers? Are you buying your engagement? Or are you actually working hard to produce good content? Are you taking it seriously? Do you have a key message? There's a lot if you want to. And the word influencer is, you know, used. It's like a few years ago, I think maybe five years ago in Dubai, the word media personality was trending. So anybody on Instagram who probably did one two-minute interview on a TV became station. Became a media personality. And then the actual media personalities would be really offended. He'll be like, I've been in TV or radio for years, and I studied it, and now who are you to put that title? So now the influencer word has become that. Who's actually the influencer? Who's not? Who's good? Who's bad? And So for us, it's we have a lot of um, criteria on who we work with and how we work. Like what kind of stuff do you have to... Like one of the things them? if... The people we officially represent as exclusives, one of our criteria is if I switch off social media, they should stand for something. If I switch off Instagram and you're nobody, then I'm like, mm, that's not great. Who are you? Are you a speaker? Are you a coach? Are you a comedian? Who are you? Are you a singer? So that's very important. Secondly, if they, they have to declare that they haven't bought. Well, of course, we do our own checks because that's fraud for me. And eventually people will be taken to court because they're stealing money from a government or non-government entity that's giving you money from their marketing budgets and then you're what promoting to bots and then like you have policies about like taking down content after they post or things that they need to do to make sure that they actually believe in the brand that they're partnering with it's not easy it's not easy but we do our homework of course nothing is bulletproof or nothing is guaranteed but we do our really strong homework because we believe if we get get results that's proof that's where a client will stay with you i can do a campaign for anybody but then if it's not great or they didn't have any kind of ROI, they'll never come back. So my, yeah, that's I, my job. And I think for me, too, I always think about, like, how can you add value? What are you doing to add value to that brand? Like, what can that person do? They generally add value to the conversation you're trying to have. Do they help you reach a new audience? You know, I, I know this is you spend a lot of time working with them. What are some of the, like, mistakes that some of the influencers have made? Putting competing brands is a very obvious one. And you saw, I saw it recently by, uh, thank God it wasn't my campaign, but I saw it recently where they were promoting a very popular 
smartphone, but they're taking all the pictures, obviously with the other competitor. Other and I'm like, that's retarded. I mean, at least, yeah. at least for three months, stick to that one. That's paying you a lot of money. So that's a very obvious one. Another one is we started to have the multimedia in-house because we would have a great idea for a campaign, great talent, celebrity or influencer, yeah. but then a shitty video or picture. And I'm like, damn, yeah, you know, like we work so hard. And yeah. if the, the end product is not strong, you kind of lost everything. So we started to do it in-house two years ago. Oh, so and then at least I control A to Z. Tell me a little bit about where you think it's going to go, like in the market. Like, what do you think are some of the key things that brands should be thinking about if they want to engage with an influencer? I saw a, a recent diagram by one of the agencies, and it was interesting. And it said, if you want brand exposure, you go for the one million plus. If you want, I think uh, it's very cool. And then if you want influence, you go to the micro influencers. It's a very interesting diagram because... You'd see micro-influencers are becoming now trendy. I think they're, they're the niche. more important because they have smaller communities. They're actual real people. Yeah. They are passionate about their project or industry, whatever they're in. And they don't have a lot of followers, so they're actually doing it because they're passionate about it. I'm, I'm very much for that. And it's kind of like one of the ethos, I would say, that we have here is, let's say you're an author. And you say, Anas, I want to promote my book. I would rather get you a guy who's known to post about book reviews and probably has 500 followers. There are 500 that actually would be interested. Care about it. Then go to a guy who's wearing a shale and dancing on his car every day. And his audience, okay, fine. They love comedy, but they don't even care about your book. You'll probably get 1% of them that'll be like, okay, book. But then you spend so much more. You could have got 10 micro-influencers that only deal with books. So it's not always about who has the most brand. But let's say there's a circus. Yeah, you'd go to a guy with really big reach and tell him, okay, there's a circus in town. But then if it's specific, sports, comedy, politics, you know, you find your micro-influences, an army of them also you can. As a young Emirati entrepreneur with a large following, Anas has the ability to make a real impact. This was the basis on how he created Hashtag AB Talks, a video talk show where he talks to talented people with the focus on youth, tackling all kinds of conversations and sometimes taboo topics and things we don't talk about day to day, such as depression and relationships. The AB Talks idea is quite an old idea, like at least four years ago, maybe. It's, it was on my mind a, a long time ago. I, I need to go back to my old PPT files <laughs> to see the first one that I did. And I remember discussing it uh, with Her Excellency Noor Al-Kabi. I remember discussing it with Sheikh Abdullah bin Zayed just as friends and to get their, their feedback. And then I discussed it with a lot of people and Noor was very supportive in the beginning and she was, and she still I think is with 2454. And she's like, let's find you a producer to, you know, to produce this show. But then the producer had to leave. So, it, you know, when one of those things that I guess the timing was just, didn't happen. I got busy, the producer left, and it trickled down and died out. But didn't die out, it was archived in my head. And then I reached now, where I have a very talented multimedia team, and I'm like, wait a minute, you know, now I have the network, and I have the team in-house, and I can do things the way I want to do them. I don't need to be bound by a government or media agency or anybody. I can no, do things in my side. You can side. go direct to the internet. So I'm like, let's, let's do it now. And she was one of my guests, so... I saw... But that's the, the, the idea behind the AB Talks to answer you specifically 
was to show the human side behind the titles of a person. So if it's a royalty, the human behind the title of being a royalty. If it's a minister or a footballer or a singer or an influencer, who's this person? I don't want to talk about their achievements. We all know them. They're on Google. But let's talk about depression. Let's talk about marriage. Let's talk about your childhood. And recently, it's funny, out of the last three guests, two of them broke down. Hey guys, in chapter four of AB Talks, I'm sitting with Ronaldo de Lima. I'm sitting with Patrice Evra. Anur Al Kabi. Let's ma Asil Amran. Kamori. Sheikh Rashid Al Naimi. It's me just trying to be very raw and really trying to see who's the human being. So for me, it doesn't matter. Yes, of course, AB Talks has a lot of popular people with very strong reach. Yes, that's one. But it's not enough. I want famous uh, achievers, sure. But do they have substance? Do they have a message? If you don't, you're not going to be on the show. It's not about, well, uh, I want reach and followers. No, it was a pure passion project. I remember in the beginning, even, even, even till now, we never switched on the ads on YouTube on purpose. We didn't accept any sponsor, although we were reached. Uh, only recently we worked with Nike because they said, we'll bring you certain guests that we thought you're going to like. I'm like, listen, as long as I do it my way, And as long as I have to agree that these people have substance, absolutely. It's a great brand to work with, so why not? So we did a mini-series off AB Talks. It's like only a three-episode mini-series. But it was nice that the show is being recognized for its merit, for its message. And Maha, I will not, inshallah, inshallah, I will not allow it to be compromised, no matter who it is. How does it feel to be your own personal brand? Like you represent celebrities and influencers, and now you're sort of one yourself. A mini one, yeah, in my own domain. Um, How do you approach it? I, I've always liked the spotlight, if I was honest. I, I like it. I, I, I enjoy being heard if I have something good to say and if I can affect. I remember doing lectures a lot. I used to do a lot of motivation lectures across the UAE. Like I would do 18 to 24 lectures a year. Every university in the UAE, literally. When people say, ah, oh, you're famous, I don't think I'm famous. I think I'm popular in my country. And maybe a few... Little places, but I'm not a famous guy. You go, you take me to Italy, nobody knows who the hell I am. Which sometimes maybe is a good thing. Like sometimes I look at celebrities and I'm like, they can't even go to the supermarket. Imagine I take that away from you. It's not that much fun then that you can't go to the barber or the, or the supermarket or just loan. Or like something basic as that you can't do anymore. Of course, also there are level, levels of celebrities. So a lot of them come here that are quite famous, but nobody bothers them in the UAE. That's why they enjoy it here. And by the way, Anis's show is now available as a podcast called Hashtag AB Talks. So go check it out and give it a listen on your favorite podcast player. Anis is the true definition of a serial entrepreneur. He first had his football startup, is now working on Bukhash Brothers and AB Talks, and recently launched a fashion brand. Oh, and I hear there's a hair salon coming too. Maha, wallah, I think I'm a serial entrepreneur. So Buka was like... Okay, apparently, my mother said in that in 2000 or 1999, which is like now ages ago, she goes, when you were in Boston, you said that one day I'm going to open my fashion line. I don't even remember the story. She, she yeah. just reminded me this year. I'm like, really? She's like, Matt, you told me. I'm like, okay, great. So it's been archived. I have a lot of things that are archived and then I, I get that out, folder yeah. out. Yeah. So then I wanted to create a brand because I think the Arab world is getting now more into fashion and they're not only about logos and logos all over their t-shirt it's now more subtle and more tasteful 
that they realize there are other things than the typical brands without mentioning names. So uh, I thought, let's do something that is very high quality. Yes, it's expensive, but we're getting like the best of the best material. And we're, it took us a year and a half to do six pieces. Really? Yeah, because it's the first time we do it. And I really wanted, I don't, I can't just put you an expensive right. price. Right. I want you when you hold the t-shirt like, wow, this is really good wow. leather or good cotton. So we wanted to do it where, let's say even the geek in the school, when he wears it, he gets that 5% swag or attitude. <laughs> I'm like, why not? You know, even the comic reader, let him. Let him feel like feel he has cool. something. And and it, so the way when we dress, we, we when we can walk differently. If you're wearing your most beautiful dress and you're do, that you've done your hair. You feel different. You would walk differently in the point. Yes. Yeah. So I'm like, let's make clothes that are comfortable, stylish, but you can wear them in a supermarket and you don't look out of place. And you can wear them in the restaurant, top one, and you still fit. They won't tell you it's off or whatever. It's more like it's not the clothes that as soon as you get home, you want to just get change. No, it's fine. It's comfortable. How did you like decide to do this? You're a designer, manufacturer, drop shipping, online retail, e-commerce. Uh, the website we built with a New York uh, designing company because I, I suffered finding somebody in the region. Honestly, in my personal experience, disaster. Disaster. Every web developer I worked with here. So I'm like, you know, let's go outside. We worked on a really proper e-commerce. The website is really good, I have to say. It took a long time, I think a year. But it's, a, it's that's our shop. Will we have retail? I don't know. But we might be featured in some of these department oh, stores. Yeah. But so far it's online. And and I like it that way. Very global. The first photo shoot was in LA. So, so it's cool, different, you know. It's a global brand, global citizen. No, but it's an Emirati brand. The he, people behind it are Emirati. Yeah, is you see local brands, brands that are fashion can come from the Middle East and come from the UAE and come from Dubai. And, yeah, why not? Yeah, why not? That's the most two words I probably, one of the most two words I live by. So apparently, uh, maybe eight months ago, somebody came to my office and said that this guy who knows you was like, why the hell is he opening a hair salon? So, so that's number four. So he's like, why is this guy even opening a hair salon? I mean, why? So this girl was telling me the story. And I looked at her and I'm like, why not? I'll try. If it fails, I'll close. But I'm the guy who always wants to try. Even with my kids, I'm like, Baba, did you eat this? No, it's not nice. I'm like, did you try? No, okay, can't say. Try it, finish it, then come and tell me if you like it or not. And then we're like, Allah, hello, it's nice. You know, like, I'm like, you see, you try. But if you try and then tell me I don't like it, I will respect you. And, and it's very important to be self-aware. A lot of people like to do things that they're bad at. And, and, and a lot of people are like, Anas, what's the secret to being successful? There's no secret formula. Maha, you're successful in your domain. I am in mine. But I would say do something you're passionate about that you're really good at. Not passionate and you're shit at. Yeah. Like you see these talent shows, a lot of people are really, really passionate about singing. Somebody's lying to them or I don't know who the hell their friends are, but something is off. They have false confidence. It's the confidence is misplaced. How do you, how do you make the trade-off? It's tricky. I think... Nido, who's my best friend, said something interesting. He said, uh, he, he said, I, he was talking about himself. He's like, I'm the one who researches a lot and then does, but I might lose the chance. He's like, Anas, you're the type that does and learns along the way. And when he said that, I'm like, yeah, I am that type. Like, I will take a, a jump, but a calculated risk. I'll always risk. I think you can't do, you can't innovate without risking. I mean, when we did Bukhash Brothers, we were literally the first license 
to do influencer marketing in the UAE. Nobody did it before. Ahdaf, the first indoor football field with artificial grass. Nothing existed. Today, mashallah, there's so many. Is it because I always want to do be the first? No. It's just timing-wise, I had an idea and I wanted to start something. Even the hair salon now would be the first of its kind. It's in a warehouse. Ennis's story is just the kind I want to be able to share on Savvy Talk. It's inspiring to the young entrepreneurs coming out of this region, my region, and creating such a large impact through both businesses and on social media, and in the way they communicate as well. And of course, I asked him for his savvy advice for all of you. I can only give Maha um, generic advice because I think each case is different. It's very difficult to say or judge a situation without knowing all the context. I always say passion is what, what will make you stay and do something even if everybody's telling you not to. It will make you stay even when you're not getting the approvals that you need to get or, or you're not making money the way you think you deserve. It's kind of what I think Steve Jobs said that uh, it, it's the crazy ones that persevere because everything is telling you not to. It's very true. And the passion you need because if you're doing things for money, in the first year you don't make good money, you will close or the second year. I think passion is the fuel. I think you have to plan, which is the boring part. I always say there are three Ps. Uh, passion, planning, and there's this quote, I think, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And I've tasted it in, in our business, especially in Hadaf. We lost a lot of money with uh, an expansion. And I don't think you should plan like for five years because things change. I don't like when someone, what's your five-year plan? But if you tell me, Anas, I have a general direction, okay. Anas, I know what I'll do in 2019, sure. So planning and then perseverance. I think these three are really important. And to add on to the typical three Ps that I always mention, <laughs> It, it relates to the passion thing. If you don't have a story, Maha, you don't last. If you build a brand without a proper brand story and purpose, it doesn't resonate. It doesn't sustain. It can do well. It can be trendy like a milk cake today in any bakery. Oh, milk cake. Everybody likes milk. So everybody's putting milk cake on their menu. But if your coffee shop or your bakery doesn't have a, that passion, it doesn't stay. Okay, speed round. I want to talk about Anna's outside work. Sure. What TV shows do you like to watch? I like a lot. I loved the Young Pope, uh, Vikings, Game of Thrones, obvious answer. Uh, uh, Handmaid's Tale was good. It was dark. And I like sometimes the light ones, like Entourage was fun. Like it's those, yeah. you don't need to think. Uh, True Detective Entourage. was good. Californication was funny. Uh, I love TV shows. And I like documentaries and, and stuff, yeah. Your music of choice? I love me. I don't like music that you have to just jump. I don't like that, like... Ding, ding, like techno or house. Ding, ding, I don't ding, like ding, that. No, <laughs> I like things with rhythm. So I usually listen to, let's say, 60% more chilled vibes. But I like reggaeton. I like Afrobeats. Uh, I like some French Caribbean music. That's cool. So things that you can move to, I like. Dream guest on AB? Recently, I was asked a lot about this on Insta Live. And there are many, Maha. One dream guest. Who would it be? <sighs> One, maybe Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid would be one, yeah, very strong one. Be. That'd be very interesting. Incredible. Because I do, I do. Uh, I'm not saying this only as an Emirati. I think any human being has to, you know, raise their hat because to turn a desert into what Dubai is today and the UAE, it's it's. If you asked my great grandfather, he would have never imagined this. There are also many names that 
I think would be interesting, you know, from Michael Jordan to Denzel Washington to so many, you know, and, and why they'll be interesting because I'll never ask the typical questions. You can follow Anas on Instagram at Anas Bukash at A-N-A-S-B-U-K-H-A-S-H and find his show on YouTube and in all of your podcast players. And if you enjoyed this episode, I'd love you to leave us a review in your podcast player and share your feedback with me on Instagram. Until next time.